Who do you know that does not want to be happy? Every person on this planet has some innate desire to be happy. Now, many people seek personal happiness above all other pursuits. They think if it makes them happy, if it makes me happy, then it's got to be something worth doing. In our very narcissistic generation that's all about me, my growth, my goals, my worth, God's Word teaches that in order for us to be happy, we don't need to bolster our concept of self as much as we need to understand the truth of who we are and who God is. See, many people think that they will find happiness if they find themselves. They're told that the answer is within. And so they search with all their heart, but all in the wrong place before they find their meaning and purpose in life. The Bible, however, does not teach that the answer to true happiness is within us. The Bible teaches that the problem is within us. Jeremiah 17, 9, the Bible tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows just how bad the heart is? For that reason, friend, you can try all you want to reform yourself or to improve yourself, but ultimately you will fail in your pursuit of happiness. In a nutshell, the way to true happiness in this life comes not from seeking it. Happiness comes by seeking God. So today, in our 10th cornerstone of faith, it's entitled A Perspective. Perspective Toward Self. And in it, I will share with you what God's Word says about how you and I can be happy, fulfilled people. Right out of the gate, we have to recognize our true condition. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus shows us the way to true happiness. And believe it or not, it has nothing to do with personal fulfillment. Follow along with me in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, Jesus went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. In other words, God blesses those who are poor in spirit. God blesses those who realize their need for him. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. Friend, as we 
humble ourselves before God as we realize that He is the Creator and we are the created, Jesus says, we shall be blessed. So the question begs to be asked, do you consider yourself to be a humble person? In these first three Beatitudes that I shared with you, Jesus gives us a three-step prescription to spiritual health and spiritual happiness. And he begins by saying, you need to see yourself as you really are. In order to be happy, you've got to start by seeing yourself as you really are. No facade, no mask, no disguise. See yourself as you really are, a sinner saved by grace, one who is poor in spirit, in desperate need of the forgiveness of God. That phrase, poor in spirit, speaks of someone who is destitute and completely dependent upon another. So to realize your spiritual poverty is to admit that you're spiritually destitute without God. It is to admit that you desperately need God. you got to see yourself as you really are. Now the second part of the prescription is to take action on what you find that you really are. Another way to translate verse 4 blessed are those who mourn, is happy are the unhappy. Now that doesn't make any sense, does it? But seeing ourselves as we really are should lead us to mourn over our condition. Mourning, sadness, sorrow should spark a desire for change in our life. So we should mourn over our sin condition. Paul discussed this attitude with the Corinthian church. In 2 Corinthians 7.10, he said, For godly sorrow, godly sorrow produces repentance that leads to salvation. Godly sorrow produces action that leads to salvation. Friend, do you see yourself as you really are? And more importantly, if you see yourself as you really are, a sinner, are you willing to take action and turn away from those sins so that you can be saved? But thirdly, Jesus says to enjoy happiness, to have a prescription for happiness, you need to pursue meekness. You see, when we have an accurate an honest assessment of who we really are, that will affect how we approach other people. When we honestly assess who we are, that's going to affect how you treat other people. When you honestly look at who you are, it should have an effect on how you view other people. When we see ourselves as we really are, our lives should then be marked characterized by humility. Now, humility goes directly against the grain of the way the world wants you to think. The world says you need to stand up for your rights. You need to stand up for what you deserve. You need to stand up for what you're entitled to. 
But humility says that we ought to be willing to give up our rights. Humility says that we ought to be able to give up that which we think we deserve. Humility says we ought to give up that that we're entitled to. Now, that may lead you to think that meekness is weakness, but not so. The meekness that Jesus describes really is power under control. You see, you may know what you deserve, but the power comes when even though you know what you deserve, like any of us deserve anything, right? But you know what you deserve, but instead you confer it to another. You know what you're entitled to. You know your rights, but instead you give way to someone else. Friend, the more we recognize our true condition, the more we humble ourselves, the more we admit our own weaknesses, the more we rely on the grace of God, the happier and more fulfilled we're going to be and the happier we'll be with other people. So we have to recognize our true condition. Secondly, happy and fulfilled people understand that their needs must come last. That doesn't make sense, does it? But happy and fulfilled people understand that their needs must come last. Jesus Christ has given us the ultimate example of what it means to be humble. Let me share it with you in Philippians chapter 2. I'd love for you to follow along with me. Just a few verses in Philippians 2, beginning in verse 5. Paul wrote to the Philippian church, and here's what he said. Let this mind be in you. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery being equal with God, but made of himself no reputation, and taking the form of a bond servant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Our Lord, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, stepped out of glory and came to earth. He humbled himself in an incredible way. God became a man. Now, he never ceased being God, mind you, but he did lay aside the privileges of being God, and here's why. He wanted to experience the human condition. Jesus wanted to experience the human condition. Consider this. Jesus actually wanted to experience things like human sorrow. Jesus wanted to experience things like human temptation, human anger, human weariness. Jesus wanted to experience human pain. Frustration, disappointment, discouragement. But the most dramatic act of his meekness came when he humbled himself to be crucified on a criminal's cross. 
But listen, although he was led away to die, not one person took his life. He gave it. He suffered and died on his own accord for you and for me. Friend, that being the case, how should our attitude be like Christ? As verse 5 said there in uh, Philippians chapter 2, how should our mind be that was also in Christ Jesus? How should the attitude of Christ affect the way that you and I treat other people? Well, the short answer is Jesus always made time for other people. Let this mind be in you who is in Christ Jesus. We too must intentionally put the needs of other people above our own. If you'll recognize your true sinful condition, if you'll place the needs of others above yourself, then you're well on your way to a happy and fulfilled life. But I also noticed that happy and fulfilled people, they don't seek happiness in worldly things. No, they seek happiness in loving God and serving others. You know, in Matthew chapter 22, in two short commands, Jesus summarized the entirety of the whole Old Testament law. In Matthew chapter 22, let me just share with you, beginning in verse 35. There was a Pharisee who, one of them was a lawyer, and was asking him a question, testing him. And he said, teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. In three verses, Jesus shows what we as his followers ought to do. That mind ought to be in us. What should we do? Love God wholeheartedly and love our neighbor as ourselves. Friend, when we do these things, we will experience real happiness that God intended, the way God intended it. And it's through our obedience to him. It's kind of ironic, though, that real happiness is not found in fulfilling our own appetites. Real happiness is not found in fulfilling our own desires, what I, I want, I want. No, real happiness is found in loving God and loving others. Friend, this is not by chance. God knew exactly what he was doing. He knew the value of loving others long before he proved his love on the cross. He also knew how self-absorbed human beings had become and that we would try to fill our lives with empty pursuits in search of happiness if he didn't command us to love him and to love others. That's joy. It's Jesus first, others second, yourself third. And the Bible tells us, you know, 
that all of our works will be tested by fire on the day of judgment. Works done out of selfishness will not last. That that you've done for just yourself, it won't last. But works done out of love for God, works done out of love for other people, those will last into eternity. Friend, we experience real joy when we give ourselves to God, when we give ourselves to other people out of love. I mean, just get this for a second. It's in the giving that we receive. It's in the giving that we receive happiness, purpose, and meaning in our life. It's the, it's the reverse economy of God. It's in the giving that we receive. The last will be first. The poor will be rich. It's in the giving we receive. So happy, fulfilled people recognize their true condition. They understand that their needs must come last, but they also seek happiness in loving God and serving others. Finally, happy Fulfilled people surrender their dreams and do God's will. See, true disciples, true believers entrust the entirety of their future into God's hands. Why? Because he knows what's best for us. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus outlines for us how happiness is found. But he does it in a very unusual way. Listen to what he says. In verse 24 of Matthew 16. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, these words may sound a little bit harsh to you, but in reality, they should sound very compassionate. Why? Because they point the way to a real happy life. See, first of all, anybody who wants a real life, a real happy life, must become a disciple of Christ. Now, how many of you know that there's the difference between just being a believer in Jesus and being a disciple of Jesus? You see, a believer doesn't necessarily have to be a disciple, but a disciple is going to be a believer, amen? So you've got to be a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. That means that you're going to obey the Lord Jesus. You're going to adopt the attitude that he had of self-denial. In doing this, in describing this, uh, this description of a disciple, Jesus makes three points about what it means to follow him, what it means to be a disciple. Number one, he says, we lose our life. We lose our life. Not, we only find life when we align our lives with God. When we align our lives with his plan, then we really find life. He's the architect. He's the design the designer. He's the, the master creator. He knows what he's doing. And Jesus says, as you lose your life, you will find 
your real purpose. Here we go again. The reverse economy of God. That which you lose, you will find. If you'll lose your life, you'll find it. When your life becomes less about you and more about God, then and only then can you begin to really experience the happiness and the joy and the purpose for which you were created. It's got to be more about God than you. You see, life that he's talking about here is not just life after death. It's not just life after death. It includes life during life. Not only the then and there, but the here and now. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Friend, never be afraid to trust an uncertain future to a known God. He knows what's best for you and he wants you to walk in it. Friend, God's plan is far better than any plan you can ever make for yourself. His plan is worthy to follow, worthy to be followed. In fact, he even said to Jeremiah, he said, I know the plans that I have for you. They are plans for good, not for disaster. They are plans to give you a future. They are plans to give you a hope. God's got plans for you. Are you following his plan? But to follow Jesus and experience a truly happy life, not only must you lose your life, but you must also deny yourself. Simply said, denying yourself means that you intentionally put the will of God and the purposes of God, here we go, above your own. The will of God and the purposes of God are placed above your own. He is greater than me. And I must follow him. So how do I find it? How do I find the will of God? How do I find the purposes that God has for my life? How do I find this plan that he spoke to Jeremiah about? How do I find this plan? Well, I don't want to try to make this overly simplistic. But we discover the will of God. We discover the plans of God for our lives as we search, study, and obey his word. Friends, this ain't rocket science. As we search, study, and obey his word. Word. It's just that simple. Lose your life and deny yourself. Search, study, and obey the Word of God. Now, finally, Jesus also said that we must take up our cross if we're going to come after Him. If we're going to be a disciple, if we're going to follow Him, we must take up our cross. What happens on a cross? Somebody's going to die. Taking up your cross speaks of somebody dying. And so this speaks of dying to your own will, dying to your own desires, dying to your own selfish ambition. In other words, this ain't all about you. It's all about him. Your life is not all about you. It's all about God and what he wants to do through you. But don't be scared. Let your heart not be frightened because by dying to yourself, you will find God's perfect plan and purpose for your life. Here we go again, the reverse economy of God. By dying, you live. By dying to yourself, you live and fulfill his purposes for, his, for your life. See, the Christian life, friend, is not meant to be a life of misery. 
It's not meant to be a life of constantly examining yourself all the time. It's meant to be a life of peace. It's meant to be a life of joy. It's meant to be a life of happiness as we walk in harmony with God. See, that's the only way it can happen, is as you walk in harmony with God. The Apostle Paul summed it up perfectly in my favorite Bible verse, Galatians 2.20. He said, for I am crucified with Christ, I lose my life. I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith. I'm denying myself so that I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. And took up the cross for me. I'll yield my will to his. I'll align my plans with his plans. I read that it's only when the bulb of a tulip goes into the ground and dies that a beautiful flower, just like these, can come up in its place. My friends, I want to make you a solemn promise this morning. If you'll be willing to entrust yourself to God's plan, if you will have the proper perspective of self, if you'll recognize your true condition in sin and accept Christ as your Savior and Lord, if you'll understand that your needs come last, if you'll seek happiness in loving God and serving others, friend, if you will surrender your dreams and do the will of God, you will be a happy and fulfilled child of God. And listen carefully, you will never regret it. But it's in the dying that you live. It's in the losing that you find. It's in the giving that you receive. It's in your sorrow over sin that you might have the joy of salvation. Has your life been lacking some happiness lately? Maybe you've got a wrong perspective towards self. Maybe you need a perspective adjustment. And you need to adjust your perspective and fix it on the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've been living your life up to this point without a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, friend, today's your day. You can humble yourself, realize that you're a sinner just like all of us have been. Accept Jesus as your Savior and the Lord of your life. And then plug yourself into the ministry of God, understanding that everybody else's needs come first. Understanding and seeking happiness by loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and serving other people. And finally, just surrendering. Surrendering your dreams to God, and walking and doing His will. Be a happy and fulfilled child of God. There's no better way 
to live this life. Let me pray for you today. Father in heaven, I praise you and I thank you so much for your word. Lord, so much that it gives us an exact prescription on how we can have a happy and fulfilled life. Lord, the world and the enemy of God tries to twist it around and tries to get it backwards. But Lord, your word has taught us today that in the dying we live, in the losing we find, in the giving we receive, and in the sorrow over sin we can receive the joy of our salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Father, maybe we need an adjustment. Father, I pray that you'd speak to the one that is seeking you today. And Lord, they'd realize that it's just that simple to place your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus on the cross that happiness is just right around the corner. Lord, thank you that you want this life to be purpose-filled, filled with meaning and filled with joy. Lord, help us to walk in it the way you intended. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.